Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, David Farmer. Hey, Launch University listeners, I want to thank you so much for taking time to tune in and be part of this podcast again. I am so excited. I am sitting down today with Peyton Day, and Peyton, um, along with another very close friend and mentor of mine, Dave Salyers, uh, launched a really cool business a few years ago. I'm a client. Everybody else that's part of the Launch University mentor team is a client. They opened up Rome co-working spaces, R-O-A-M, uh, in the city of Atlanta. And Peyton is going to share his story. I would tell you that this is kind of personal because the Launch University podcast was born in part out of an opportunity we had to teach uh, at Rome at uh, some Friday morning networking kind of teaching events that they sponsored. So anyway, that preceded the Launch University podcast. So it's kind of like we're coming back full circle. So let me first of all say, Peyton, uh, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Uh, Excited to have this conversation. David, honored to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. We are sitting in the Rome Buckhead uh, location, but this is not your only location. So, Peyton, I may get you, first of all, tell the listeners what Rome is, uh, how long you've been at it, kind of where you are in your journey at this point. And then we can go back in time and tell uh, your story that, that took place prior to the uh, founding of Rome. Very good. So, Rome is the innovator's workplace, and... Originally, the idea was actually started by five IBMers that were sent home from the large corporate offices on Northside Drive here in Atlanta. It's where Northside High School is today, I believe. And that was the old IBM headquarters. And they were sending people home because they were trying to save money on the cost of fixed office space. So they began sending people home back around 2007. And doing so, they were trying to save money. Uh, like everybody else, downsizing and uh, while sending people home, um, those folks that went home, they, they started doing business out of their home offices and and uh, these five guys originally, they went to the coffee shops and they were unable to get work done and then they try to go home and they've got the temptation of ESPN and the UPS man knocking on the door, the dogs barking, the babies crying. And and my wife always gives me chores when I work at home. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's not what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There are all kinds of distractions at home. So the idea was there's got to be a better way than that. So they set out to form what began as a, a coffee shop with meeting rooms around it. That was back in 2007, 2008. Not a great time in the economy. Not a good time in the economy. And it wasn't until 2010 that I came, and they were still trying to figure out the concept. They had not quite figured out how to scale it. It was a brilliant idea. Just quite had not figured out how to monetize the footprint. So got involved in 2010. They brought me in as a hospitality consultant. My background was a franchise developer for Marriott, so I was developing limited service hotels for Marriott. And, and so came in and they asked me to get involved in uh, 2010, 11, actually 2011, David Sayers got involved and, and the two of us began to 
take a more active role in the company. Of course, David's got his full-time job at Chick-fil-A, so at 6.30, 7 o'clock at night, I'd be talking to David at 9. We'd try to figure out how to make Rome better. So, yeah, Can I add a, just a, <clears throat> a personal note there? So I was an intern at Chick-fil-A when I was in college, and David Sayers was my boss. And ever since then, he has been a, a personal mentor, um, a boss, uh, now a up here and uh, really a friend and so that's that's another whole dimension to this story I love because I have so much respect for Dave so it's so cool that you guys are partnered up on this could not ask for a better partner he's an incredible visionary great man just a joy to work with absolutely okay sorry to interrupt had to say that so in any event um, the idea of Rome was really birthed early but um, in 2010 had to figure out how to monetize the footprint, meaning that we had a lot of space that was wasted space. And we felt like the answer at the time was to just go out and cook more hamburgers. And we used to serve, believe it or not, paninis and uh, grilled cheese sandwiches and anything you could think of. And at that time, the thinking was, man, we just need to sell more food and we'll become profitable. But really began to look at it much like a hotel looks at it and found out that a lot of the space was not being monetized. We had a lot of square footage that was like a full service hotel that uh, had a lot of wasted space in it. So we had to figure out how to monetize uh, wasted space, so to speak. And so we began to add different elements, different revenue centers for the model. At first it was kind of meeting rooms and food. Then we said, there's gotta be more, we need more revenue. So we started adding meeting rooms and also dedicated offices. So it's uh, Rome is a not only a shared office space, but we have dedicated offices, we have meeting rooms, and um, we also have a coffee bar, sort of lattes, um, all the different uh, specialty coffee drinks. And so, but the idea was that there's gotta be a better way of getting work done, and there's gotta be a better way of having a meeting. Because when you go to work, most people don't like what they do, number one. They don't like where they work. They don't like the traffic that they have to deal with. So these were all opportunities that we wanted to capitalize. We said to ourselves, what if we could create a workplace that was actually fun and where actually people could work there and find purpose and meaning in life and where people could also come that would have meetings that would be unlike anything that we get in a hotel experience, which was pretty predictable. When you go to have a meeting in a hotel, you know what you're going to get. It's typically the old padded chairs with the metal surround frame on the chair and it's the predictable table with the tablecloth and we wanted to do something different. We wanted to bring meetings alive, we wanted to bring the workplace alive and we wanted to provide a, a culture and an environment where people could have fun, they could come here, they could feel inspired and that's what we've tried to do here at Rome. And, and I want to definitely unpack that because I think that's, that's big. Uh, you have grown Rome now to you have five locations and thoughts about more, and you've got a team of, that's, that's how large now, Peyton? We have about 40 full-time employees, 20 to 25 part-time employees, so in total about 60 to 65 people. And how much total square footage do you guys operate at this point, just ballpark? Yeah, ballpark, we would have about 75,000 square feet of space. 
So I, I got to say, it is, you referenced the hotel, uh, sort of the predictable um, type of environment and experience that you have there. First of all, the spaces you have are beautiful. They're very um, modern and relevant, and they feel very creative. There's a lot of really cool little design nuances that have been built into the space. Um, but there's also just a unique vibe here, very, very positive and encouraging. And my question is, there are other folks that are in this space. Uh, in fact, as you and I sit here right next door, we work, which is large and is in, as, as you'll find them in, in major metropolitan cities across the country. They've got a place next door. But you guys are thriving. What makes Rome different and unique? Well, first of all, they're doing a great job at what they do. We're just different. We're similar in some ways, but we're also very, very different. I think the difference for us really comes back to people and culture. We're very intentional about the type of people that we hire. We want people that are passionate about what they do, that they know how to smile. It's just a natural part of their DNA. And the culture that we're trying to create is a culture of entrepreneurialism. We want people to feel like they can come here, they can get excited about a, a mission and our core values. And then our goal is to simply say, hey, here's where we're going. This is what we need to do. And this is your role in the company, which you're uniquely gifted to partake in because of your passion, your purpose, and your talents all align. And it's where those three things come together that we believe that you're in your element. And so what we try to do is to say, bring that to Rome. Here's the vision. This is where we're going. And our goal is to give you as much freedom within that role to push us toward that vision. And so where we're different is, I believe, it comes back to people and culture and the way that we do things. I mean, we're trying to do things, quite frankly, in a one, almost like a 180 of what most people do it, you yeah. know, in the world, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if you go back in time, there were probably certain um, elements of the experience that you envisioned that you wanted to be uh, defining for Rome. And then just based on the story you told, there have been other things that you've had to experiment with and try and, and, and see change over time. What was part of the original design that you think was critical to helping you make it uh, to this point? And then we could talk about things um, that you have, uh, you've experimented with. Or we like to talk about prototyping as part of the launch sequence. Uh, we tried it, didn't work, but you, you, you learn from that and you move on. But what was core that has not changed, you don't think it's going to change, and it's been fundamental to your success? I think it starts with creating the right leadership. First and foremost, you've got to have the leaders. They're the pace setters for the organization. And then it's, again, finding a vision that people get excited about. And so we wanted a vision that would bring people to life. Our vision is to renew and inspire how the world does business. That's big. And so what does that mean? Well, again, most people think of work as boring. They think of work as a J-O-B. We wanted to show, again, that work could be fun and purposeful. And so that's what we're trying to do. And, and so from day one, it starts with great leadership. I think it starts with having people that are empowered by the vision, ensuring that you have people that 
this type of work, they come to life when they show, show up here day in and day out. I think that's the difference for us is we're going to create an inspiring environment where there's energy, where there's personalized service, a sense of generosity, innovation, so that when people walk in here, they go, there's something different about this place. And you yeah. know what? It's not only different, but it's really, really done with excellence. That's what we're trying to do. But the core principle is you've got to have a, a culture that excites people, that shows them that they can have impact in the world. And then from there, again, it's just finding people that get excited about that vision and then turn them loose. I feel that. So I just want to affirm that uh, there is a vibe you get when you walk in the door. And not only when you see the physical space, but right up front when you engage with your team, you feel it. And it's the kind of vibe that you know is not just an accident. You didn't stumble into it. It's intentional. I am going to read between the lines and assume that it takes you setting the tone for that. Uh, training to it, casting vision around it, but I do think it it really is a difference maker uh, for Rome. Could not agree more. Yeah. Let's go back in time before Rome, and let's just talk about um, your family, and uh, you talked about being in the hotel business with Marriott. Share a little bit about your upbringing, your family, and um, where you learned some of your entrepreneurial chops to begin with. Yeah. Well, I think I came out of the womb, honestly, as a as an entrepreneur. Both my mother and father were entrepreneurs in their own right. Uh, my father um, was a Marine, former Marine, went to Georgia Tech, and he came out and really had nothing. His father was actually a minister down in Savannah, Georgia. And so for him, he really came from nothing. And so when he graduated from Georgia Tech, he worked for a guy by the name of Scott Hudgens, who you may know the name. He developed a lot of malls around the city of Atlanta, and that was his mentor. And he also happened to be friends with Truett Cathy, which I'll share a story with you in a few minutes about that. But yeah, that Truett, changed my life. Truett being uh, the founder the of Chick-fil-A. The founder of Chick-fil-A. Uh, there's a story there that really helped change the trajectory of my life. So in any event, my dad started a hotel company back in 1970. Our family went on a family trip to California and Ford LTD station wagon with the panel siding. Mom and dad in the front seat, the five kids in the back seat. We fought the entire way to California and we would stay in Motel 6s along the way and we complained every night because they didn't have a swimming pool, no TV. It was like, Dad, this is not good. And So once a week we got to stay in Holiday Inn and that was a cool, right? They had everything. And so we go out to California, Disneyland, come back a month, six weeks later, and that's where he had the idea to start a hotel chain, which turned out to be quite successful. Day, so, days in? That is correct. And then there were uh, other brands that became part of the, the Days In family at that point? That is correct. So it was really watching him that really challenged me and you know, Dad always said, Peyton, I want you to do whatever you want to do. Because honestly, I always put pressure on myself to perform and to kind of be like him because he was my role model. And he said to me, he said, Peyton, he said, I don't care what you are. He said, just be the very best you can possibly be. I don't care if you're the CEO of a company or if you're, a, if you're the sweet sweep, a street sweeper. It doesn't matter. Just be the best 
street sweeper you can possibly be if you go that route and wow. go do what you do at excellence and so that really kind of freed me up to be who i am and the reality is i'm very different than my father and so it honestly it took me a while to figure that out and yeah. i think a lot of second generation kids have to work through that yeah and it's really interesting if you are not from atlanta or maybe are younger you may not appreciate the fact that peyton's parents and your father even specifically are kind of really iconic. They were iconic here in Atlanta, building this um, very uh, successful and prominent hotel business and, and doing it in a, a way that people respected the values behind uh, that business. There's no doubt about it. And it was just watching dad and how he went about his business and and also observing Truett Cathy back in the early days. Um, yeah, tell that story because... Um, I don't know if, how close they were in age. Um, yeah, True would have been probably ten years old, eight to ten years older than Dad. Okay, and he, yeah. and, you know, both of them launching businesses here yes. in Atlanta that grew and then began to uh, grow across uh, the U.S. But t tell a story about uh, interacting yeah. with Truett. So my father, at the age of uh, forty-two, came down with terminal cancer, and so. Needless to say, that was uh, I was 17 years old at the time, and actually I was 15 when he got sick. And I was playing football in the front yard with my kids. We were kind of the center of activity in the neighborhood. All of our friends would come because we had a football yard there, and all the friends would come over. And so we were playing football, tackle football, in the front yard. Um, we didn't play touch football. We played tackle there football. So anyway... Here comes this big old car coming down Old Springhouse Lane, meandering. I noticed it pulled up in our driveway. I'm thinking to myself, who is that? And out pops this elderly man. He's probably my age at the time. He's probably in his 50s, I would guess. Pops out of the car. And a ball-headed gentleman walks down the sidewalk. And he said, what's your name, young man? I said, my name's Peyton. He goes, well, who are you? He goes, well, I said, I'm Cecil Day's son. And... He goes, oh, it's very nice to meet you. He said, my name is Truett. And he gave me a silver dollar that said compliments of Chick-fil-A on it. And he said, here, why don't you take this? And he unloaded about six or seven boxes of Chick-fil-A sandwiches with a special seasoning, brought it in himself. He didn't have anybody helping him. He brought it in the house, walked right past me and my friends, walked in the door, and I'm thinking to myself, what is he doing? Well, he knew, and I didn't realize this, but he knew that Dad loved Chick-fil-A sandwiches. And even when Dad was sick, Dad would eat Chick-fil-A sandwiches up to the point that he died. And honestly, as I recall, he ate almost every last one of those Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Oh, it was the most goodness. unbelievable thing. But I said to myself, when a mom told me the story about who Truett Cathy was, Truett and Dad and Mom and Truett's wife, they all, grew, they all used to live in Techwood Homes, which is a public housing yeah, right in the middle of downtown near down, the Georgia Tech right campus. Right next to Georgia Tech campus. They lived down there. They were neighbors, and I didn't realize this. But I said to myself after that man left, I said, I don't know who that guy is, but he reminds me a lot of my dad, and I want to be a lot like him. Yeah. You, you know what I love about that story? Um, Truett made it a practice from the beginning, long before he became wealthy, of thinking about others, um, trying to anticipate what they needed, trying to figure out when he could share 
any extra that he might have with other people. I've heard his grandsons talk about how he just carried a list around in his pocket. And if it was uh, groceries or uh, Chick-fil-A food or anything that he could bring, he was wired to do it. And, and if you know where Truett, where he grew up on the very south side of Atlanta on a farm, he probably drove a fair distance to get up to your place. Had to be an hour. Yeah. Both ways. But um, he absolutely loved doing that. And there's story after story after story about how he just, as you said, personally showed up um, to pay respects, to um, just uh, be generous, and to try to invest in other people. And uh, he did not wait until he had more. He did not wait until he became healthy. You know, he that's just the way he did business from the beginning, which for our listeners, I think, what are some of those practices that you don't need to wait till later to adopt? You need to do those now, and they will actually help um, uh, drive your business. They'll build character uh, in your team, and they're actually going to help you make a name for yourself that people respect. No doubt about it. And my dad always told me, told me that, look, the golden rule is a great place to start. Yeah. It is a great business principle. That's right. Well, he, it, Truett would tell us, in fact, he would often say, there are principles from the Bible. He'd say, we're not a Christian company. Yes. Per se, he goes, he goes, I don't think there are companies that yes. are Christian, but there are principles in the Bible that I think are phenomenal um, operating uh, guidelines for a business. Yeah. And that's what I want to do is incorporate them into my business. Absolutely. And who would not want to be treated that way? That's right. It works for everybody. So it, it, it manifests itself as respect for your customer and respect for your team. And so coming back to Rome, um, I feel that uh, when I come in as a customer, but I also sense that it, your your team members uh, probably feel like they're part of a great family as yeah. well, and that's yeah. that's gonna um, that's that's how it ultimately impacts the guest or the customer. No doubt about it. So, really, the second part to our our mission statement again to renew and inspire how the world does business. The second part of that is by partnering in the story of accomplished dreams. When you think about it, everybody that walks in that door, whether you're a meeting planner for a Fortune 500, or you're an entrepreneur that's doing a tech startup, or you're a nonprofit that wants to launch, in all those cases, people have a dream. Yeah. Our goal is to partner with those people to ensure that that dream happens. Yeah. And so that's our role. So every time somebody walks in our door, we become an extension of their brand. We become an extension of your brand. Anybody that walks in here, yeah. whether you're a Fortune 500, whether you're, again, a tech startup, whether you're a nonprofit, whether you're a for-profit, doesn't matter. We're an extension of your brand. We take that very seriously. That's cool. I want to talk about um, a challenge or maybe multiple challenges that you've had to wrestle with. You had this vision. Um, you're launching. You're experimenting a little bit, as you referenced. Was there a point where you said, I just don't know if this is going to fly? And if so, how did that play out and what did you do about it? Absolutely. Early on, there were days where I would show up and I would say to myself, this doesn't got a chance. Honestly, I was like, I don't know how this is going to work out. And then, next day, it would be like, this has got merit. This may work. This could work. So, for me... You just got to keep showing up. Mm. Just keep showing up. And 
you 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 get better every day. You know, we've talked about the definition of value is what you get over what you pay. Yep. And so we just focused on the what you get. What are we going to do day in and day out to create more and more value for our guests? And we're going to have a discipline about that. We're going to focus on that. And that's going to cascade through all levels of the organization. Whatever your role is, you need to figure out how you're going to add more value to that role every day. And collectively, when you do that, great things happen. And I would say that mindset is predicated upon having an abundance mentality. Absolutely. When you say, I'm going to focus on the numerator in that value equation, what you get, what you give, uh, it takes faith. But if I can, if I can give enough, then ultimately um, I'm going to build a relationship that's going to benefit me as well. There's no doubt about it. So in the midst of that, um, were there times when you felt lonely or did you have somebody kind of riding shotgun with you through this or a group of people that kind of were a sounding board for you? How'd that play out? Because I think a, yeah. a lot of our folks that are early in their own launch, they've got to figure out what kind of support yeah. network they yeah. need. Well, it's interesting. When we first started getting involved in 2010, we were doing about $200,000 in sales. and. Again, a great idea, and it was just like fighting for every dollar. Yeah. And with that, it became frustrating, and it did become lonely. And I can remember setting goals at that point in time that we were going to get from 200000 to 350000 which at the time just sounded like a unsurmountable yeah. goal. Yes. I mean, that was a big number yeah. to us. And, and so... I have to give a, a lot of credit to David because when David came along, honestly, I was there were days where I was very lonely and I was thinking, man, do I want to keep doing this? But when you have a great partner, that's an encourager. Yeah. It makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. So, you know, the takeaway for me is for those who are starting a new business, if you're going to have a partner, be sure you know that guy well. Yeah. And you can create a lot of sleepless nights if you don't have the right partner. Yeah. So Dave and I are very much aligned philosophically, culturally, the people side of the business. And so it's really having a strong partner and having just a group of people that you love working with day in and out, which we do here at Rome. Yep. That's what keeps you going. And if the purpose of the organization can be highly impactful, it has a way of keeping people around. And so for me, there are two things I look for when I'm made an investment in my life. Number one, is there a built-in multiplier? And number two, is there a sense of permanence? Mm. In my mind, when you get those two things going, that's where you're going to have your greatest impact here on earth. All right. So unpack those just a little bit more. Built-in multiplier and a sense of, of, perp, of right. permanence or purpose. You that's say? correct. Okay. Permanence. Permanence. Okay. Permanence and a built-in multiplier. Yeah. So sense of permanence is if all we're doing is, again, showing up to do a J-O-B and there's nothing that's going to be transformative about it, is it really worth investing your time in okay. to it? Um, will this last beyond your years? Will the impact of what you're doing right now last to your kids' generation and future generations? Well, think about Truett Cathy and the story I told you earlier. That story and that whole Chick-fil-A story and the impact of true Kathy Mann, that is a permanent impact that will never go away in my life. Yeah. That's what I mean about permanence. Okay. It's lasting. Yeah. It, it goes beyond you. 
Second piece is a built-in multiplier. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of people thinks in terms of a, think in terms of addition. Where, whereas when you think about mentorship, um, that is something that multiplies over time. If you can mentor 10 people and they mentor 10 people, there's a built-in. That would be one example of it. Okay. So in my mind, you know, we wanted to have an impact beyond just our generation that we wanted to impact future generations. One of the greatest joys in my life, honestly, about what I do here is the opportunity to interact with this group, a group of millennials that we have. We yeah. have people of all ages, but we have a lot of people who are millennials that yeah. work with us. And that is the, one of the that has given me one of the greatest joys in my life. And, uh, and so if I can invest in them and they can invest in future generations, that's where the built-in multiplier is. That's awesome. All right, so here's another very practical question. If you think about, go back to 2010, here we are early in 2018, and you think about how you have had to um, adapt your own practices as the leader of the organization as things have grown, the way you use time, your focus, maybe certain tools, maybe there are activities that you no longer did that you used to do and activities you never did before, but now you do. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm hoping that you're going to um, shed some light on what a launcher might anticipate and maybe even have some practical suggestions that they can incorporate into their own practice. Yeah, great question. So for me, there are a lot of things that I'm doing now that a Fortune 500 CEO would not have to do. Um, like I'm basically a CFO. I'm trying to give leadership to the company and dealing with the investors. And um, and you do get involved in more of the day-to-day. But I've gotten, thankfully, I've gotten a position now where we have a team of people that are helping me get a lot of that work done. So delegation is key. And I found that if somebody else can do what you do at 75% of the capacity that you do it in, you need to delegate it. Yeah. Because you're going to be far better off in the long run if you do that. And so I'm trying to think more at a 40,000-foot level than I used to. That's the goal. And I think it's important to have some time and some margin in your life where you can think about working on the business. And so I'm very intentional about carving out time where I can think about the future and and then it's finding the right people that can fill those roles that you can trust to me I think a lot of leaders fall victim to this idea if if I give people too much autonomy I've lost control that is one of the most self-limiting philosophies you can possibly have Mm. I'm a big believer if you give people autonomy and you show them the boundaries the guardrails that keep them from falling off the edge of the mountain and then like I said turn them loose and let them move us toward that vision as long as it's on the vision and moving us in that direction I'm all for it and so the more that you can think that way the more you're going to free up to do the type of thinking that you need to do to effectively lead the organization okay that's a huge uh, principle right there that's good So I hear you talking about having to delegate more, empower other people, and then elevate your thinking up. You you, um, touched on this. I want to hit this point again. Working on the business, Mm -hmm. not just in it. That's right. Okay. That's that's big. So as you pull up and you look out for Rome, just comment on what do what's in the future. Where do you go from here? And um, 
How do you even begin to cascade that vision to your core team? Yeah, well, one of my favorite quotes from Truett Cathy is, he always said, if you'll get better, people demand that you get bigger. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they want to be big overnight. And that may happen every now and then. But a lot of people don't realize how long it took for for Chick-fil-A to get to that third and fifth restaurant. Yeah, we were definitely uh, in the tortoise and the hare parable. Yeah. We were the tortoise for sure. Yeah. And think about it now. Because you built a solid foundation built on core values and a common sense of purpose and vision, and you had the right people that aligned to that vision, over time, that's a winning formula. Yeah. Without a doubt. And so... We're trying to do the same thing, essentially. Just just focus on getting better. Back to your value equation. Make sure you're adding enough value. And then that is going to create pressure on expansion and growth. That's exactly right. I think a lot of folks, they try to grow almost too quickly. Yeah. And they begin to compromise on their people and their site selection, in our case. And they end up paying for that in the long run. That's so good. And many... In many ways, sometimes fast is slow, and slow is fast. Okay, that we'll have to tweet that one out. <laughs> fast can be slow, and slow can be fast. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, you have to build a solid foundation, mm-hmm. and then it's the old flywheel effect. Yep. you got get to the, get the wheels turning, and then over time, you begin to develop more and more momentum. And I think that's where it begins to get really exciting. Hmm. Well, I, I want to encourage our listeners out there, as you think about your own launch, or you think we often talk to people that play more of an intrapreneurial role in the context of a larger organization. So they're driving change. It may not be their own business, but they are change agents. So where are you adding value? And as you add that value, um, how are you seeing the demand for your product or service grow? Uh, I, I hear you say that is core to the Rome story. Yeah. We're trying to bring hospitality to this space. Yeah, and that's good. That's one of our differentiators. I mm. think there are a lot of folks in this world of co-working and, and meetings where you, you throw in a bunch of furniture and you open up a cool space and you think that's it. But when you come here, we want you to experience something you've never seen before. We yeah. want you to leave and and before you leave, you turn around and look back over your shoulder and you say, man, I can't wait to come back to that place. That's what we're trying to get to. And so we've got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, we continue to learn. We've not arrived yet, but if we keep getting better every day. Everything will take care of itself. Well, I can tell you, I always look forward to my time at Rome, whether it's just me coming to do some work or I've got to isolate myself and knock things out or I'm here for a meeting. Either way, you got great spaces. you got great people. And so I am excited to think about you continuing to grow and thrive. So uh, I want to thank you, Peyton, for taking the time to share your story and be part of the podcast with us. I know our listeners appreciate it. My pleasure. And I'll just say to the uh, Launch University listeners, I hope that you'll encourage others to come on the journey with you. Maybe sh- I, just about every week I talk to somebody and say, do you listen to podcasts? And they say, no. I go, oh, give me your phone. You're missing out. There are all this incredible free resource out there. And I literally find their podcast button and 
show them how to use it, and, and I will subscribe them to the Launch University podcast. So maybe you can do that as well. If you're helping to spread the word, we're very grateful for that. I also want to just put in a word uh, for a new tool that the Launch University team has created. We call Elevator Pitch. It is a video program that's all about helping you cast your big idea. We, we say minimum words, maximum results. So whether you're pitching a new product, you're seeking investors, you're trying to build support uh, for something that you're working on, we coach you through how to do that best. In some cases, uh, how to get out of your own way, but we break it down. Um, and so really want to encourage you to go check that out. Um, elevator pitch. Uh, you, you can go to uh, the Launch University uh, website, launchuniversity.net. That is now available. We've been working on that over the last couple of months and are excited to see it hit the market. So check it out. Maximum results with minimum words. Uh, thank you again for listening. And until next time, uh, go forth and conquer Launch University, folks. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.